Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Strategy Skills Podcast channel where we are talking you through the corporate strategy and transformation study or the turnaround of a major electricity utility. So I'm going to stay in the mode of answering reader or listener questions from around the world. And the second major question I get is where people are trying to get their head around this massive transformation study. For example, they want to know, okay, Michael, this is corporate strategy. Why is it a transformation study? What makes it a transformation? Because where I work or where I live or what I read in my country, they use different definitions. They say this is a transformation, but it doesn't seem like a transformation. It seems much easier. Or I'm reading two separate journals. I'm reading two separate books and there's different definitions of a transformation. So what makes something a transformation, right? And I think that's a great question. I think that the fact that someone asking that question shows that they're really understanding the nuances of the study, which is, is great because this channel is a simplified version of the more advanced videos we have on this study, much more advanced videos and more videos in total that sit on the strategy training and firmsconsulting.com websites, which are only available to FC Insiders at this point. So I'm going to answer this question. It's a great question, right? At its core corporate strategy is about changing your objective function and choosing a new market. That's what it is, right? You can change your objective function and you can change the market you pursue, but your business model may stay the same. So you've got objective function, the market you pursue, and your business model. We'll give an example of this, right? Let's assume you sell lingerie to women in the United States. Your market is U.S. women. Let's say you target the older segment, 40 plus, right? And you sell lingerie. So your objective function here is how to sell the best French cotton lingerie, whatever they make lingerie from, to mature women or older women in the United States. You've changed your objective function. Your objective function now is to sell the most technologically advanced, socially responsible cotton lingerie to older women in the United States. But you could also decide, let's sell to all women, not just older women. So you can see your market's changed. You can change it more dramatically. You can say we're just targeting Asian women. Maybe they have certain needs with lingerie that we're aware of and we're going to target them. Your objective function has changed a little bit. Your market's changed. But your business model hasn't changed, has it? You make a product. You sell it to them through a distributor and you get money. Your business model hasn't changed. You know you're in a transformation when your business model is changing. Now, there are many organizations, including consulting firms, use the word transformation more loosely. But when I'm dealing with a corporate strategy study and we are determining this is a transformation study or not, Obviously, before we start the study, we don't know what business model we're going to come up with. 
But I have an hypothesis. If you've paid close attention to the study and you've looked at all of the videos and how we've built the storyboard and the structure right at the beginning, you know what my working hypothesis is, that this company is going to change its entire business model. If the business model is changing, that's a transformation study. If your business model is not changing, if where you make money and how you make money is not changing, you are not going through a transformation. You may be going through a restructuring, but you're not going through a transformation. And again, different organizations are going to use different terminology, but I try to keep it clean and simple. Corporate strategy is where you change the objective function and your market, or you validate your objective function and market. Restructuring is where you need to bring the business back to profitability when it is struggling, but you may not change the business model. If you change the business model, which is the way you make money and where you make money, that's a transformation. Now let's talk through why this study is a transformation study, because I think people would want to know that, right? I've discussed it many times before, but I will aggregate everything into this one episode so you can follow it. Previously, Empire International, which is the wholly owned subsidiary of Empire Energy, was created by spinning off all of the energy build assets that Empire Energy used many years ago. So when Empire Energy went through a big build program 20, 30 years ago, they had to create all this infrastructure to build. When they build program, they stopped needing to build and do heavy upgrades to the transmission lines, distribution assets, and power generating facilities. They had no reason to have these assets with them. They were just a drain on their balance sheet, and they were just capital that's tied up and doing nothing. So they thought, look, we are in a regulated business. Power production is highly regulated. We can't make a lot of money here. We can't exceed inflation by you know, 10 15%. We just going to have to exceed inflation, if ever, by 1%. Usually we don't exceed inflation because the regulator doesn't allow us to do that. What if we took all of these assets that we had left over when we were building our assets, put into a separate company, allowed that company to go around and build and maintain power assets for other companies around the world, that's a non-regulated business. We can charge them whatever they want. And that's what they did, right? So Empire International is basically there to build power stations, refurbish assets, maintain power plants, fix power plants, maintain the transmission lines. You know when you drive on the road, you see these power lines on the side of the road, you see some of the truck parked on the corner. If you're in parts of Europe and North Africa, you're probably seeing Empire International's trucks on the side of the road, right? They are maintaining those assets. So that's what Empire International did. Maintained power lines, tried to build power stations on the world. But because... Empire International had the capability and skills that Empire Energy was using to maintain their energy asset base. When Empire International was spun off, it was spun off in such a way that it had revenue coming in the short term. The way it had revenue coming in the short term is that Empire Energy gave Empire International contracts to maintain Empire Energy's asset base. And over time, the thought was that Empire Energy would then openly place these contracts under the market where anyone could openly bid, and Empire International would become a smaller and smaller supplier and focus, focus more, more internationally, but that never really happened. So what happened is that Empire International ended up being magnificently dependent on Empire Energy. And you can see the economics here, right? Empire Energy is not allowed to make a lot of money because the regulator says you can't make a lot of money. Which means any contracts Empire Energy is putting out to service their assets must be put out at a price 
that allows them to make money even though their margins are so small. So now, what do you think would be Empire International's margins if it was servicing Empire Energy assets and Empire Energy assets were so highly regulated that the margins were tiny on them? By default, Empire International after you subtract the costs, ends up having an even lower margin than Empire Energy. So Empire Energy did all of this work to make money from Empire International, but Empire International is not able to find work internationally, so they say they're like a, basically a kid who doesn't want to get out of home and is completely dependent on the parents, right? And you've got Empire International, which now is making even less margins than Empire Energy and is losing money, and as you know at the beginning of the study, it was about to run out of cash in about 18 months. So we were brought in, and our strategy is as follows, right? When we were brought in, we were told, okay, find out a way for us to restructure and transform this business, right? And we decided that, okay, let's look at this, right? You're wholly owned by Empire Energy. You have to do what they think is important. They need to build power stations. Even though Empire Energy doesn't know they have to build power stations at this point, their strategy is not to build power stations. The government has told them don't build power stations because we're going to open up the market we're telling Empire International you're going to build power stations for Empire Energy, even though Empire Energy doesn't know it just yet. So we're changing their business model from trying to build power stations around the world and primarily making money from maintaining, refurbishing, and doing general maintenance on existing assets for Empire Energy. Empire International's new business model is going to be building new generation transmission and distribution lines. They're going to make money from skills they currently don't have, doing work they currently don't do, in a market they currently don't serve. They don't serve the bold market in North Africa and South Central Europe. They serve the maintenance market there. So you can see their objective function has changed. The market has changed. The market is not just geography. It's what you do in a geography. That's changed. And the way they make money is changing. They're not being paid by Empire Energy on a cost-plus basis to maintain lines and so on. The way they make money can change dramatically. The way you build a power station, a transmission line, could be things like turnkey. You know, you've heard the term engineering, procurement, and so on, right? EPCM. They could just do the procurement side. They could do the engineering side. They can do the building side, they can do the maintenance side, right? The point is that to build a power station, there's many components. Are they going to do all of it? Are they going to do all of it and carry all of the risk? Are they going to carry part of the risk? How are they going to share the risk? So here, this is where I say their business model has changed. The way they are making money, whom they are making money from and how they are collecting the money is changing, right? For all we know, Empire Energy could create a separate funding agency, a bank, to fund the power stations, the bank then transfers the assets to Empire Energy, which means that Empire International won't even be paid by Empire Energy. That is why this is a transformation study. The objective function has changed tick, but that just makes it a corporate strategy study and a restructuring. The market's changed. Tick, corporate strategy, restructuring. But if the business model changes, the way you make money is changing, that's a transformation study, not a restructuring study. Now, the question is how to make money. How do we figure that out? If you are a subscriber to the detailed videos we have on the study, 
you will see that a huge part of that analysis, in fact, we added in 150 new episodes. So we had already about 600 episodes that were going to come out for the study. We've decided that another 150 are going to come out, explaining to you how we did the analysis. And a massive part of that is the value chain analysis. We spend a lot of time teaching you how to do a value chain analysis because people don't know how to do a value chain analysis. They've read these books, Michael Porter. Look, Michael Porter is a smart guy, but he's not his job and he has not translated his very important insights into a method you can use. That's what we've done, right? The value chain analysis is detailed. We show you how to do a value chain analysis for any industry, any company. If you know nothing about business, you will learn how to do a value chain analysis, and you will enjoy it. In fact, the way I've set up that value chain analysis explanation is that if you watch The Big Bang Theory, the CBS hit show, you will realize what I'm talking about, because I've set it up in such a way that it's a bit entertaining to watch. Let me just start by saying what a value chain is. The steps involved in producing something when laid out side by side. For example, if I'm trying to make ice cream and sell it on the street corner on the streets of uh, Las Vegas, I'll have to buy the ice cream, buy the ingredients, rent a kitchen, mix the ice cream, freeze it, give it to distributors, sell it and collect the money. Each step is a part of the value chain. Each step either adds value to the overall process or destroys value from the overall process. I need to figure out which step adds the most value, which step destroys the most value, the step that adds the most value trying to increase the value or protect it, the steps that destroy value, eliminate it or reduce it. Now what we've done in the study is we've got to understand where does current value lie? Where's the most money to be made in which part of the step? The value chain is very big in building any asset. You don't want to play across the value chain because you may end up playing in parts of the value chain. When I say play, it means investing in parts of the value chain and working in parts of the value chain that actually create no value. So you just end up losing money or playing in a low margin side of the business. So we have to understand the parts that create a lot of value. For the parts that do not create value, we need to ignore them. And that's what we're going to do. But it's not that simple because this is the current value chain map. It takes 15 years to 10 years to build these assets. You have to figure out what the value chain map like is going to be like in 15, 20 years. More importantly, you have to figure out how changes in legislation, competitive movements will change the value chain. Maybe if the government makes a big decision on pricing of electricity, the value chain will change. You thought that because pricing is so low for generation, don't build generation assets, but the government may deregulate electricity pricing. And you will then say, wow, we should have gone there, but it's too late. The other problems you face is building the value chain. You can't buy value chains off some internet website. You can't buy it from another company because a value chain is very subjective in the way it's put together. You will see that value chains are a combination of analyzing procurement data from usually competitors, trade data, build spend plans from customers, and a large chunk of it is collected through focus interviews. Now, focus interviews are subjective. Depending on the way you construct the focus interview, depending on the questions you ask, whether you ask leading questions or not, the interviewer may give you different answers. Even if interviewers give you same answers, the way you choose to interpret the answers matter. If a client is vastly over-optimistic about what's going to happen in a sector, 
they will inflate the numbers. So value chain analysis is very important, but very hard to construct for this reason. In this study, we built our own value chain analysis, probably the most important individual analysis we've done, although there are others that I would say pretty close to that as well. Now, if you are doing any study and you're trying to figure out, Michael, is this a transformation study? Is the way I'm making money changing? I'm going to give you four things to look for to know if you're in a transformation study. First one, if you're moving from B2C to B2B, you're almost certainly in a transformation study. You're fundamentally changing your business model. B2C is business to consumer. B2B is business to business. Business to consumer is usually a volume business. Quick time to market. The sales cycle is much shorter. Load an app, they buy it, done. The legal agreements, the legal structurings, much shorter. You have a terms and conditions on your website. B2B, wow, B2B is complex. One is you have fewer clients. The sales cycle is much longer. You don't have a terms and conditions on your website. You sign a legal contract, which takes a long time to prepare, costing a lot of money. The way you make money in B2B is different from the way you make money in B2C. B2C is usually volume. B2B is usually not volume. But sometimes it can be, right? But it usually doesn't start off with volume. It takes a long time to get to volume. So if you're moving from B2B to B2C or vice versa, you know you're going to a transformation. Second indicator, if you are breaking the CVP cost volume profit curve or the marginal cost curve, you are changing your business model, you are going through a transformation. What do I mean by breaking the CVP curve? Well, if you are doing one of the following, if your cost base is changing, if you move from a higher fixed cost versus variable cost to a higher variable cost versus fixed cost, you're going through a transformation. That's, is that simple? If the ratio between fixed cost and variable cost changes, you're going through a transformation. Because that ratio determines whether you're a volume business, your pricing, the types of products you're going to put out, and so on. Because if you're a higher fixed cost business, you need volume to pay down your fixed costs. You need volume, you need the right kind of pricing, you need a massive consumer product on your hands. If you're a higher variable cost, that means every time you sell a lot of things, you make a small margin. So rather than selling a lot of things, you put more time into the product to make few of it, but at a higher margin. So if your cost structure changes, whereby your ratio between fixed and variable costs switches or meaningfully changes, it doesn't have to automatically switch. For example, if you were 10% variable, 90% fixed, and now you are 50% variable and 50% fixed, they haven't switched, but they're a big change, that's a transformation study. So first indicator, B2C versus B2B. Second one, if you're breaking the CVP curve. Third indicator that you're going through a transformation is if the place you do business in in the value chain has changed. If you are primarily making money serving, in my previous example, the company selling ice cream, but now you are serving the companies that are buying ice cream, you've changed the place you make money from in the value chain. You usually need new skills. Different parts of the value chain do business in different ways. They may pay in different ways. They may pay different margins. They may have different financing terms. So if where you are playing in the value chain has changed, you're going through a transformation. Remember that, right? And finally, if you are offering something for free that other people in the sector charge for, or if you're charging for something that other people offer for free, 
you are changing the business model of the sector and therefore that's a transformation right now i've done many studies for major companies around the world going through big transformations you can follow that on my other program partnership memoirs every company going through a transformation is either done one of these four things b2c or b2b two they change the way they make money on the cvp curve they've broken it fixed versus variable costs three they've played in a different place of the value chain of four They've either offered something for free that incumbents were charging for, or they charge for something that other people were offering for free. Transformation studies are complex. Not every client needs to go through them. Not every client chooses to go through them. Sometimes a major player will arrive, change the industry, and you are forced to react. This study is hard because it is a transformation study. I've explained to you what makes it a transformation study versus a restructuring or just a typical corporate strategy study. A big part of transformation studies is understanding how you are now going to make money since the previous way you made money didn't work, and that requires value chain analysis. And if you do have access to the full study videos, you'll be able to see in a lot of detail how we've done that. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.